From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, January 14th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. futures stabilize after yesterday's sell-off. Tech is under pressure as Fed officials build the case for higher interest rates. Banks are in focus as J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo report earnings. And a major setback for President Biden's vaccine mandate. New Jersey Governor Murphy signs an abortion rights bill in the state, plus a push to eliminate the filibuster rule is all but dead in the Senate. I'm Mike Bar. More ahead. I'm John Stashier in sports. The Nets lost. The Rangers won. The Islanders beat the Devils. And in Australia, Novak Djokovic had his visa taken away again. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Friday morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. futures are higher this morning ahead of big bank earnings. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about eight points. Dow futures up 92. NASDAQ futures are little change. The DAX in Germany is down six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 11.30 seconds, yield 1.74 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 0.93 percent. Nathan. Well, Karen, we're coming off another day of decline. Lines on Wall Street, the tech-heavy Nasdaq posted a loss of 2.5% after several Fed officials beat the drum for higher interest rates. It all started with Governor Lyle Brainerd as part of her Senate confirmation hearing. Our monetary policy is focused on getting inflation back down to 2% while sustaining a recovery that includes everyone. This is our most important task. Lyle Brainerd says the Fed could raise rates as soon as March. Consensus calls for three or four hikes from the Fed this year. Governor Christopher Waller calls three increases a good baseline, at least for now. We'll have to wait and see what inflation looks like in the second half of the year. If it continues to be high, the case will be made for four, maybe five hikes. Governor Chris Waller made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. He joins Fed Chiefs Patrick Harker and Jim Bullard, who've also floated the idea of four increases. Chicago Fed President Charles Evans is more cautious. He wants more inflation data before committing to a March liftoff. We need to get inflation back down in the ballpark of our 2% objective. Um, I think it's probably going to be, um, at the end of this year, it's going to be elevated. It's, um, I don't think it's going to be 3% at the end of this year, and I think it's more likely to be 25 as measured by the personal consumption expenditure. Now, so Charles Evans will be watching that PCE inflation data closely. We get the next reading on that at the end of this month. 
Well, Nathan, the White House is set to add some new faces at the Fed now. President Biden has selected his picks to fill open seats at the central bank. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the latest. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Bloomberg sources say President Biden is planning to nominate Sarah Bloom Raskin to the Fed's top banking regulator spot. He'll also announce economists Philip, Philip Jefferson and Lisa Cook as picks for governors. Cook would be the first black woman on the Fed's board, and Jefferson would be the fourth black man. The picks would help Biden keep his promise to improve diversity at the central bank. His nominations would also add experts focused on a broad job market recovery as they seek to tame the hottest inflation in a generation. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. We get more data for the Fed to digest this morning. Retail sales figures for December are due out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Let's get a preview now from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The Omicron variant will weigh on the retail sales numbers as many bars and restaurants were forced to close during the holiday season. Gasoline prices and auto sales also declined, dealers struggling to get cars. But it does appear core sales were strong, everything from toys to sporting goods and clothing. Americans' incomes were bolstered by government fiscal aid and rising wages, particularly at the lower end of the income spectrum. The not-so-necessarily good news is retail sales will also benefit from soaring inflation as sales are reported in dollar figures. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Michael, thank you. Earnings also come into focus today. Big banks kick off the season with results due out this morning. And Bloomberg Global Finance Correspondent Janali Basic has more. J.P. Morgan is kicking off earnings and expectations are high. That consumer loan growth is coming back and that trading will hold up even as it starts to moderate and even decline in many places on Wall Street. With that said, we're also looking at Citigroup and Wells Fargo earnings, not only to see that the consumer is returning, but also to make sure that the those banks can keep costs down as they are more under pressure with wages rising and more investment in technology. Wells Fargo and Citigroup have regulatory risks as well that investors will want updates on. In New York, Shanali Basic, Bloomberg Daybreak. Shanali, thanks. Now to the latest on the pandemic and a major legal setback for President Biden. The Supreme Court has blocked his rule that would have required large companies to mandate vaccines or weekly testing for employees. We got reaction from Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. We just have to continue our efforts with the president laid out. You know, is this a setback? I wouldn't say it's a setback. It's a severe disappointment is what it is. But we're going to continue to to do everything we can. I'm going to continue everything I can as Secretary of Labor for the United States of America, to make sure every single worker in America is safe. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, when it comes to vaccinated employees, Nathan, Citigroup is out with its data. The bank says 99% of its U.S. employees have complied with its vaccine mandate. And the bank expects more workers to comply with its order before today's deadline. City's mandate is one of the strictest on Wall Street, making COVID vaccines a condition of employment. In the meantime, Karen, the White House is ramping up other plans to tackle the pandemic. President Biden is doubling his order of rapid COVID tests to send to Americans. He says he'll also distribute high-quality masks. We are making high-quality masks available to American people, the American people, for free. I, you know, I, I know we all wish that we could finally be done with wearing masks. I get it. But they're, they're a really important tool. President Biden says he'll have a formal announcement on distributing masks next week. 
Turning to the markets now, Nathan, crypto is in focus today. Dogecoin surged as much as 15% this morning after Elon Musk said it can be used to buy Tesla merchandise. Musk is a frequent booster of Dogecoin on social media and has hinted at the move for some time. And Tiger Woods is in financial news this morning, Karen. A blank check company backed by the Golf Stars filed to raise $150 million in an IPO. The company plans to seek a merger target in the sports or health tech sectors with an enterprise value of as much as a billion dollars. Tiger Woods is the lead investor in the special purpose acquisition company. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines in the check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And at 6.07 on Wall Street, we're at 40 degrees in Central Park. We got a broken down vehicle on the way to Kennedy Airport, westbound Belt Parkway near the Van Wick. Details coming up from Peter Van. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said he is considering a temporary remote option for the city's public schools and a stark reversal of his position to keep kids learning in person despite a surge in COVID cases. We want to provide the safest place for our children, and we want to have our children in school. Adam says, though, a substantial number of children's parents aren't bringing their kids to school. According to city data, only about 70% of the city's 1 million students have been attending classes since schools reopened after the winter break on January 3rd. New Jersey Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, anticipating possible changes to the Roe v. Wade ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court, signed an abortion rights bill into state law. Murphy signed the measure fulfilling a campaign pledge made in the lead-up to his re-election victory in November. On Twitter, Murphy posted his comments during a signing ceremony in Teaneck. Regardless of whether or not the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, New Jersey's position in supporting the right to reproductive autonomy will remain clear and unchanged. Governor Murphy also says in addition to abortion rights, the bill also specifically outlines a right to access contraception as well as to carry a pregnancy to term. President Biden is now casting some doubt on whether his voting rights bill can get done. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. If it can be done, it will have to be approached in a different way. After weeks of talks with Senator Sinema and Manchin, both say that changing the filibuster rule is not an option. We need changes to make the Senate work better. Not getting rid of the filibuster. But the president says the fight is not over. As long as I have a breath in me, as long as I'm in the White House, as long as I'm engaged at all, I'm going to be fighting to change the way these legislatures have moved. The president did meet with both before decisions were made. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Leaders of the far-right group, the Oath Keepers, were charged for conspiring to prevent the certification of Joe Biden as president by joining in the attack on the Capitol last year. The indictment charges Elmer Stewart Rhodes, described as the founder of the group, and 10 other individuals with seditious conspiracy and other charges. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stachow. Thanks, Nathan. This Novak Djokovic story is like when fans watch him play tennis and their head goes back and forth. Last week, Djokovic 
despite being unvaccinated, received a medical exemption to play the Australian Open. He flew to Melbourne and promptly had his visa taken away. It was a mistake in the paperwork. Monday, a judge reinstated it. Now, the immigration minister, acting in what he called the public interest, removed the visa again. And now Djokovic's lawyers are said to be planning another appeal. The tournament that Djokovic has won nine times. Begins Monday. Nets off the big one in Chicago. Gave Kevin Durant the night off. Kyrie Irving can't play home games. Sure enough, Nets lost to Oklahoma City, 130-109. to Knicks made a trade. Sent to seldom use Kevin Knox to the first-round draft pick that originally belonged to Charlotte to Atlanta for Cam Reddish, who the Hawks took with the 10th overall pick a few years ago. He's only 22. will be reunited with R.J. Barrett. They were teammates at Duke. Knicks play in Atlanta tomorrow. Rangers in San Jose, the newest Ranger, helped out. Now Panarin keeps it alive, slides it over to Heedle. Heedle for Strom. Strom along the goal line, back out for a shot, score! The Rangers get the first NHL goal from Braden Snyder in his NHL debut, and they now have a 2-0 lead over the Sharks. WPN the call, Rangers won 3-0. Chris Kreider scored the other two goals. He's got 23 on the season, the fourth most in the NHL. The Islanders on a Matthew Barzell goal with five minutes left. Beat the Devils 3-2. Seton Hall lost 96-92 at DePaul, who came in 0-5 in the Big East. John Stash, now we're Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are up 8 points. Dow futures up 100. NASDAQ futures are higher by 5 points. Now, the 10-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. The yield, 1.74%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. It'll turn partly sunny and breezy today with highs in the low 40s, low 20s for highs tomorrow. Late day snow Sunday with highs near 35, currently 40 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks are following Asian shares lower after a slew of Federal Reserve officials signal they'll combat inflation aggressively. Uh, S&P futures are moving higher. NASDAQ futures are little changed just after the NASDAQ fell to its lowest level since October. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about eight points. Dow futures up 99. NASDAQ futures again little changed. The DAX in Germany is down six tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds. Yield 1.74 percent. They yield on the two-year 0.93 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4 percent of a dollar 14 at 83 dollars 26 cents a barrel. Comex gold little change at 1821.90 an ounce. The euro 1.1458 against the dollar. British pound 1.3732 and the yen's at 113.92. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower. It's just under $42,000 right now. Earnings today. We're watching for J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo, and we get a look at December retail sales at 8:30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. President Joe Biden is all but conceding defeat for this year on the Democrats' big elections and voting rights legislation. Biden spoke at the Capitol after a key fellow Democrat, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, dramatically announced a refusal to go along with changing Senate rules to muscle past the Republican filibuster. Tennis star Novak Djokovic faces deportation again after the Australian government revoked his visa for a second time. 
Immigration Minister Alex Hawk said today that he used his ministerial discretion to revoke Djokovic's visa on public interest grounds three days before the Australian Open is to begin. Djokovic's lawyers are expected to appeal. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders beat the Devils. The Rangers and Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get to the latest on the pandemic now and check in with Dr. Andy Pekosh, Professor of Molecular Microbiology and Immunology at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Doctor, there is a lot of research uh, into the Omicron that I want to get to this morning. But first, I'd like to get your reaction to this Supreme Court ruling against President Biden's vaccine mandate for large businesses. What's the effect that this uh, legal setback for the president could have? Well, you know, we know here in the U.S., uh, we've been struggling to get vaccine acceptance up to levels that would, you know, really make a big impact in terms of the surges and hospitalizations that we're seeing every time a variant comes through the population. So, you know, from a purely sort of public health standpoint, it's uh, it's a disappointing decision. You know, these vaccines are safe. These vaccines are effective and they are an incredibly important, uh, I'd say critical tool to get us through this pandemic. And again, to, 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 to take something off the table that would help us get more people vaccinated uh, is just not the right thing to do from a public health perspective, at least. It's not entirely off the table, though, right? I mean, businesses can still mandate vaccines on their own. Can that get us to enough of a level where we can start to feel like we're getting ahead of the pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, I think this now sort of puts the onus on the particular business and and depending on which state you're in and, and what kind of business you are, there will be varying rates of of, of moving this into into uh, application. So, you know, a, a government mandate would allow for a larger, more widespread utilization of the vaccines. It now puts things back into the individual businesses um, um, responsibility. And therefore, we're probably not going to see as much of an uptake of this policy as we would if it was a government mandate. In the time we have, I want to get to some of this research. Like I said, there has been a lot into Omicron. There's a new study out of South Africa, which has put out so much of the research over the last several weeks, that the strain is less severe even for unvaccinated people or people who've never been infected with COVID before. Can we say now that Omicron is indeed less severe? I would be very careful in terms of how we view less severe. Remember, we're starting from a disease that's pretty severe. So coming down a little bit from a less from a severe disease uh, doesn't put us in a category of things like the common cold or something like that. And um, I guess the counter to that is the, the vast majority of people who are being hospitalized are people who haven't been vaccinated. So if you're not vaccinated, I wouldn't view Omicron as being a, a easy way to get some immunity. Um, it's still a very severe disease uh, in terms of its potential. But again, the positive side is it's not as severe as other variants that have come through. Um, the vaccines are working well against preventing severe disease. So certainly um, we're in a better situation now in terms of preventing that severe disease. You know, the problem, of course, is just a number of mild or less severe cases are just swamping our systems and, and affecting our economy in a very adverse way. 
Yeah, we've seen uh, related to that just how fast Omicron spreads. There's also a study out of the U.K. that talks about how COVID can become less infectious the longer it stays in the air, up to uh, uh, 90% less effective after 20 minutes. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, this is such an important point because we know that Omicron in particular um, is spreading more effectively. So anything we can do to study how we can limit that transmission is is really important. And understanding airflow, how long these virus particles stay in the air and how long they're infectious is really going to feed into things like airflow in rooms and how quickly you need to turn airflow over in order to limit transmission. It's another tool in in our battery to prevent transmission that allows us to go back to things like work and school with a higher level of safety. So really important work and needs to be implemented more broadly. Thank you, as always, Doctor. Good having you on with us this morning. Andy Pekosh is Professor of Molecular Microbiology and Immunology at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, which is supported by Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are up six points. Dow futures up 90. NASDAQ futures swinging between gains and losses after the 2.5% drop for the NASDAQ yesterday. NASDAQ futures right now are down four points. The 10-year Treasury is down 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.74%, and the yield on the two-year right now, 0.93%. Just ahead, more calls for faster rate hikes and a preview of bank earnings as we check the five things you need to know to start your day. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, breezy, low 40s for highs today. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds tomorrow with highs only in the low 20s. Late arriving snow on Sunday. Right now, 40 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 630 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It is time for the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst. Global Analyst helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies. Try Global Analyst today at ibkr.com slash GA. Up first, futures, while well, S&P futures are higher following yesterday's sell-off. The Fed's push for higher interest rates is growing louder. Governor Christopher Waller tells us at least three hikes this year is a good baseline. It really depends on what happens with inflation. I mean, if inflation just is stubbornly high through the first part of this year, first half of this year, we're going to have to do a lot more. But that's what that's our job. And that, that's what we're committed to do. And if we have to do more rate hikes, we'll do it. Fed Governor Chris Waller tells our Kathleen Hayes he sees a scenario where the Fed raises rates as many as five times this year. 
Well, meantime, Karen, the White House is set to add some new faces to the Fed. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the latest. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Bloomberg sources say President Biden is planning to nominate Sarah Bloom Raskin to the Fed's top banking regulator spot. He'll also announce economists Philip Jefferson and Lisa Cook as picks for governors. Cook would be the first black woman on the Fed's board, and Jefferson would be the fourth black man. The picks would help Biden keep his promise to improve diversity at the central bank. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. We get more data from the Fed to digest this morning with retail sales figures for December. Economists forecast a monthly decline of one-tenth of a percent. Today also marks the unofficial start of earnings season, Karen. We get results from three major banks this morning. Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky has a preview. Loan growth that eluded large U.S. banks for most of 2021 is expected to make an appearance, a sign that the economy is recovering. J.P. Morgan Chase reports first, followed by Wells Fargo and Citigroup. Investment banking fees may be a highlight for J.P. Morgan. According to Bloomberg Intelligence, Wells Fargo is expected to show a modest rise in net interest income. Borrowing growth in its card business will be in focus at Citi. Larry Kofsky, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Larry, thank you. And turning to politics now, it's a major setback for President Biden's vaccine mandate. The Supreme Court has blocked a rule that would require large companies to require vaccines or weekly testing for employees. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Also, this headline crossing the Bloomberg, a BlackRock reporting assets under management that beat analyst estimates. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 633 on Wall Street, 39 degrees in Central Park and slow getting to Kennedy Airport with a broken down vehicle on the westbound Belt Parkway. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is considering allowing the nation's largest school district to return to some form of virtual instruction as the city weathers a wave of coronavirus cases. That would be a reversal from his pledge a week ago to keep children in schools. Adam says that he still believes the safest place for children to be is in school, but that there are a number of substantial children missing classes. I am working uh, closely with uh, the uh, president of the UFT. Uh, I think that people are surprised to see how well we're doing. Uh, this is not Chicago. This is New York. Mayor Adams was referencing Chicago, where the nation's third largest school district canceled five days of classes because of disagreements with the teachers' union over COVID-19 safety protocols. A communal funeral for 17 victims of New York City's deadliest fire in years has been planned for Sunday, a week after the blaze in the Bronx high-rise. The service is to be held at the Islamic Cultural Center in the Bronx. Funerals began Wednesday with a service at a Harlem mosque for two children, both for two victims, both children. New Jersey Democratic Governor Phil Murphy signed a bill enshrining the right to an abortion into state law. Murphy, on his government Twitter post, says New Jersey's position in support of the right to reproductive autonomy will remain clear and unchanged. This is a victory, yes but not necessarily a conclusion. Under our state's laws, you folks now have the statutory right to reproductive freedom. Murphy signed the bill as a Supreme Court ruling could come in June in a case which the court was asked to overturn Roe v. Wade. President Joe Biden is all but conceding defeat for this year on the Democrats' big elections and voting rights legislation. 
Pushback involved the president trying to change the filibuster rule, including from within his own party. Moderate Democrats like Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema disagree on changing it. What is the legislative filibuster other than a tool that requires new federal policy to be broadly supported by senators representing a broader cross-section of Americans? A guardrail. Senator Sinema says the current filibuster rule lessens the chances of one party to get complete control. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Nathan Novak Djokovic was in the Australian Open. He got a medical exemption to play despite being unvaccinated. Then he was out, then back in. As of now, he's again out. The immigration minister, using personal powers, canceled Djokovic's visa in what he called the public interest, but Djokovic's lawyers say they will appeal again. The Nets had the win at Chicago, and they had the big three all on the floor for just the second time. But in Brooklyn... It was only James Harden. Kevin Durant got the night off. Kyrie Irving can't play home games. Harden scored 26. No one else had more than 13. The Nets lost to Oklahoma City 130-109. to Knicks play tomorrow in Atlanta. They just made a trade with the Hawks. They sent Kevin Knox to the first-round draft pick for Cam Reddish. The Rangers won 3-0 at San Jose. Two more goals for Chris Kreider, who, along with Adam Fox, was just named to play in the All-Star game. The shutout for Igor Shesterkin in his return from COVID. Islanders beat the Devils 3-2. Seton Hall upset by DePaul. First ever NFL playoff weekend with six games spanning three days. It starts tomorrow with Derek Carr and the Raiders in Cincinnati. It's an exciting time. Uh, Obviously, you know, something I've dreamed of um, since I was drafted. That's all I want to do is get to the playoffs, try and win a championship, you know. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're in the tournament is... uh, it's really cool. The Raiders have not won a playoff game since 2002. The Bengals' last playoff win was in 1990. Tomorrow night, New England at Buffalo, expected to be bitterly cold. Their first meeting in the playoffs since 1963. Three more games Sunday, another one Monday night. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. 6.37 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent. Kriti Gupta on this Bank Earnings Friday. Kriti, you're starting us off with casino stocks. A little bit of a gamble, Nathan. Uh, that'll um, be my one and last, my one and only pun of the day, I promise. Uh, oh, sure. absolutely <laughs> they, I promise, I promise, uh, for the sake of our listeners. Uh, U.S.-listed casino stocks, they are rising in the pre-market this coming after op- the ones with operations in Macau have looking are looking good after the announcement of much anticipated changes to the local casino law that was being aimed at tightening government oversight at the world's largest gaming market. So now it looks like there's going to be a little less regulation when it comes to those operations. And for that reason, you're seeing the likes of Win Resource, WYNN is your ticker up eight percent. Same story with Las Vegas Sands LVS up to tune of a 9.4%. Melco as well, MLCO's ticker up over 10%. The question is, does it stay that way throughout the day? It's not confirmed yet. These are only expectations that are driving the stock up, but we are waiting to see those developments. Uh, of course, we know they happen under a lot of pressure given that regulatory stance from Beijing. Uh, moving on to some of the banks, because that's really the big story of today. It's going to be those earnings coming out from JP Morgan at the top of the hour. City and Wells Fargo also looking to report, and they those stocks are higher in the pre-market ahead of those numbers, and they have been higher, Nathan, for a while now. A lot of the expectation of higher lending growth, 
higher volatility that'll help those trading nests. And of course, uh, the rate hike bets that are pushing yields higher, which means that those banks are going to be making more on the loans uh, that they give out. So JP Morgan, for example, JPM is your ticker up 1% in the pre-market. Citi and Wells Fargo up by about the same amount. C and WFC are those two tickers, Nathan. Yeah, we'll see if the earnings bolster the uh, investor sentiment there. What about some downside movers this morning? Yeah, well, let's talk about Corning here. This is a communications equipment maker dropping after Deutsche Bank cut its recommendation on the stock to a hold from a buy, citing overly optimistic Wall Street estimates. Nathan, that seems like a reason that could apply to a lot of different stocks, but this one chose Corning. GLW is the ticker down 2%. And I'll wrap it up here with data processing company Fiserv, F-I-S-V, down 1% in the pre-market after it's being was downgraded to a sector weight from overweight over at KeyBank Capital. The analyst saying that despite optimism around the management team and general strategy, he's looking for improved visibility into sustained high single-digit organic growth. Essentially, he's just waiting to see that the company makes more money before he gets more constructive on those shares. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta with the pre-market update. And as we take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of the open, futures are mixed. S&P futures up three points right now. Dow futures up 75. NASDAQ futures are lower now by 22 points. The 10-year Treasury down 12, 30 seconds. The yield 1.74%. Watching shares of BlackRock this morning, they're down seven-tenths percent after reported assets under management that beat the average analyst estimate. Stay with us for an update from the nation's capital with Bloomberg Government's Emily Wilkins. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, breezy, low 40s today. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds and highs only in the low 20s tomorrow. Late arriving snow Sunday with a high near 35, currently 39 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and J.P. Morgan earnings are crossing the Bloomberg. We're going to have full details in just a moment. But first, we go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. U.S. futures are mixed right now as those bank earnings do begin. Dow futures currently up 75 points. S&Ps are up 2.5, while the Nasdaq futures are down by 26. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.75%. Gold is down 2. Oil is trading higher. And Bitcoin is down by 2.1%. Japan fell 1.3% overnight, while European markets are also in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30 retail sales, and at 10 o'clock, business inventories and Michigan sentiment. After the bell last night, SAP cloud sales beat estimates. And regarding those earnings this morning, BlackRock EPS beat estimates. You mentioned J.P. Morgan. They did just report Q4 adjusted revenue was $30.35 billion. Estimate there was $30.01 billion. Also look for Citigroup and Wells Fargo to report in the pre-market. Wrapping things up, BJ's wholesale cut to underweight at J.P. Morgan. Chipotle was raised to overweight at Morgan Stanley. And Ford was cut to sector perform over at RBC. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news of your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden is all but conceding defeat for this year on the Democrats' big elections and voting rights legislation. 
Biden spoke at the Capitol after a key fellow Democrat, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, dramatically announced her refusal to go along with changing Senate rules to muscle past a Republican filibuster. Tennis star Novak Djokovic faces deportation again after the Australian government revoked his visa for a second time. Immigration Minister Alex Hawke said today he used his ministerial discretion to revoke Djokovic's visa on public interest grounds three days before the Australian Open is to begin. Djokovic's lawyers are expected to appeal. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders beat the Devils. The Rangers and Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. We're also hearing from Wells Fargo with fourth quarter revenue beating analyst estimates, and we're going to get more on those bank earnings in just a moment. First, 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news in science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, which announced that renowned scholar and educational leader Dr. Tech Lim will join the university as NJIT's ninth president. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, and engineering, and math. Citigroup says that 99% of its U.S. employees have complied with its vaccine mandate, and the bank expects more workers to comply with the order before today's deadline. Citi's mandate is one of the strictest on Wall Street. It makes getting the coronavirus vaccine a condition of employment. Google is making a bet on hybrid work. The company said it'll spend $1 billion to buy up its own London offices. The purchase is a bet by Google that tech workers who have been among the keenest to work from home will want to move back into the office, at least temporarily. And scientists say a four-billion-year-old meteorite from Mars that caused a splash here on Earth decades ago contains no evidence of ancient, primitive Martian life after all. Researchers say tiny samples from the meteorite show the carbon-rich compounds are actually the result of water, most likely salty or briny water flowing over the rock for a prolonged period. The findings appear in the journal Science. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's coming up to 6.51 on Wall Street as we continue to watch bank earnings cross the Bloomberg terminal. It's time now to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include President Biden casting doubt on his own push for a voting rights bill. The vaccine on is shifting to businesses after the Supreme Court blocked the president's mandate and the final three pieces of the president's Federal Reserve overhaul apparently falling into place. Also making news, the president's about to mark 60 days since he signed the bipartisan infrastructure law. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins for the update from Washington, D.C. So, Emily, it looks like the president's going to be ending another tough week politically with a pivot back to infrastructure this morning. Yeah, this has probably been the toughest week for Biden of his presidency. Um, just so many things uh, that, that are just not looking good for him and leading to a pretty low approval rating. So Biden's going to pivot back to one of his few victories, that infrastructure bill. He's expected to announce today that the administration will distribute more than $5 billion to repair or replace bridges across the U.S. Uh, that's funding that's going to wind up going to states and tribes who will then be allocating it to specific projects. But but it's one way for the White House to try and highlight something positive in a week that saw the Supreme Court rule against Biden's vaccine mandate that saw, um, you know, COVID cases continue to rise, inflation continue to rise and uh, 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 and the Voting Rights Act hit a wall in the Senate. Yeah, let's talk about that wall that uh, got hit in the Senate. I think we can put a name on that wall. Kirsten Cinema. 
I mean, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin. I mean, if they want to pass this rule, they need 60 votes, even with this legislative maneuvering that they've done that allows senators to actually start debate on the bill, something that hasn't happened with previous voting rights legislation uh, that Chuck Schumer's tried to bring up. They're still not going to find a way to passage. And, and last night, Schumer scrapped the plan to have them stay in on Monday and do this debate so that everyone can go home until Tuesday uh, when they come back. And so at this point, yeah, there's there's really doesn't look like a path forward. Biden even said yesterday, admitted so much, saying telling reporters that he just wasn't certain that it, it would be able to get done. And just quickly, Emily, the other big setback yesterday for the president came at the Supreme Court on vaccine mandates. Yes, uh, Supreme Court. They blocked one of the centerpieces for Joe Biden's push to get more people vaccinated. This was the mandate on businesses with 100 or more employees saying that they would have to require their employees to either vaccinate or get tested regularly. The court struck that, that down. They did let a separate rule stand that requires vaccinations for workers in nursing homes, hospitals and other areas that receive Medicare and Medicare Medicaid funding from the federal government. All right, Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from Washington, D.C. Go to Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal to read more about all these stories from the nation's capital. But we want to pivot back now to bank earnings because we've gotten couple, uh, two of this big six reporting their fourth quarter results. Let's break them down now with Bloomberg Intelligence senior banking analyst Allison Williams. Uh, very interesting to see the divergence in the stock now with J.P. Morgan falling in the pre-market after reporting an earnings beat while Wells Fargo is is really getting rewarded right now, Allison. Yeah, and we're trying to access the numbers as quickly as we can um, because I do think that uh, loan growth is an area that we were looking for in the quarter. We're wondering if um, if there was some disappointment in the J.P. Morgan numbers. We haven't been able to, to, to get them yet, but we do see that the investment bank looks strong. That's something that we expected. They did beat the revenue estimates there. Equity trading coming in about in line, sick trading coming in about in line. So it looks healthy. Uh, Charge-offs, credit also looks healthy. We also saw reserve releases in the quarter. That's something that we've seen throughout the year, the bank continuing to beat those estimates. Um, So overall, the headline numbers look good, but we're wondering if if the, um, the guidance is a little bit disappointing. We haven't been able to pull that up yet. Uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is uh, reacting, saying the economy continues to do well despite Omicron headwinds. Credit continues to be healthy. Uh, the outlook for the banks, what are you going to be looking for when the calls come around later this morning? Well, the, one of the key things we're looking for is expenses and what the expense guidance is for this year. We've had a lot of clues into the positive macro environment. So interest rates is something uh, that's going to help the banks uh, coming in with the increases that we expect from the Fed this year and next year. Um, But we don't know yet how the bank is planning to invest in its business. We think that's a long-term trend, but obviously higher expenses mean less profitability in the near term. What interesting red headline generated by J.P. Morgan's results, $1.8 billion net credit reserve release. Is that something that was expected? Well, it's much bigger than expected. Um, so as you recall, in uh, when the pandemic hit in 2020, 
just given the massive amount of uncertainty around the expectations of what that would mean for credit, we saw the banks take really sizable provisions. And now in 2021, we've seen those released. And so that's that's a bigger number than we had expected for the fourth quarter. Um, again, a lot of that relates to accounting, but it is a positive signal that the economy is good and that their customers are healthy. So, so that's a good thing. All right. Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Allison Williams will let you get back to parsing those headlines from J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo as they continue to cross the Bloomberg Terminal. Also, stick around with uh, Bloomberg Radio throughout the day. We're expecting results from Citigroup in just about an hour as well as fourth quarter bank earnings season really gets rolling here. And uh, just checking the shares ahead of the open, Wells Fargo being rewarded with a gain of 1.6% in early trading, while J.P. Morgan is lower after its results just beat analyst estimates on the top line. But uh, fix sales and trading came in with a miss. J.P. Morgan shares down right now one and a third percent. As for the broader market, S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures up 35 points. NASDAQ futures are down 20 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 10.30 seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. Much more analysis of the bank earnings and more coming up on Bloomberg Surveillance straight ahead. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. Happy Friday. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.